What's up, everybody? Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. At Theology in the Dirt, we make it our aim to put our theology into practice in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And we are glad to have you with us today. My name is Mitchell Jolly, and you are Chris Hayes. Man, we're glad you guys come and hang out with us. We appreciate your your thoughts, your uh, engagement. Uh, We got our first monthly supporter this last week. Cha-ching. <laughs> Cha-ching. I mean, uh, we're grateful. We are very grateful. We appreciate that. That means folks are listening, and we we appreciate it. We, we'd appreciate it if you'd share the podcast. Give us five-star rating. Share with your friends, your family. We're grateful. You can check out um, Theology in the Dirt um, on your favorite podcast platform. There's Anchor. There's Spotify. There's Apple. Those are the top three people listen to us on, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. I saw something, oh, by the way, this is totally unscripted. It's coming to mind. I'm stream of conscious, Chris. Roll with it. This morning. But uh, 60 to 40-ish, the breakdown listening to our podcast, women to men. Well. I don't know how to take that. I don't know if that's a shot to my manhood. I take it as, man, we have some sexy voices. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We'll talk about pride next week. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about pride next next week. But for some reason, man, it's connected. And I'm okay. Maybe that means we're emotionally healthier than we were last year. Yeah, I think it's all about you know providing content and just trying to give something that will encourage and uplift and hopefully enlighten. Yeah, shoot, deer, kill things, men, listen. <laughs> if we did that, more of that, maybe it would be like 60-40. But, man, we're talking about stuff that I think really, for us, uh, I think we're pretty manly dudes, and, and truth of the matter is um, emotionally healthy discipleship is uh, – is a across-the-board male and female necessity. So that's what we're talking about. But we appreciate you guys listening, and we appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. There's a link at the bottom in Anchor. If you want to become a monthly supporter, we'd appreciate it. Uh, We work hard um, at our real jobs every day, and we do this because we enjoy it, because we want to produce content for the people of our church and for other folks who want to listen um, so that we can help continue to disciple um, our folks, particularly because the truth of the matter is we only get about an hour and a half, two hours a week together as an entire fellowship. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the week, um, there's a host of other teachers, whether people recognize them as teachers or not, who are influencing our thinking. And so we want to produce content that is good, good for our people and good for folks who listen. Yeah. If you're, you got to drive to and from work every day or you're doing errands or chores around the house or just want some good stuff to listen to. Um, you know, music's good and there's a lot of other stuff you can listen to, but sometimes it's nice to have something that kind of make you think, hopefully challenge you a little bit, you know, hopefully make you laugh a little. Absolutely. It's huge. And so, uh, we would appreciate you guys continuing to check us out, listen, share, give us a rating that helps us out an absolute ton. We're coming to you from Restoration Rome, where we engage practically in the public square of our city and our world in the foster care adoption crisis. You can check that out at restorationrome.org, but it's time for the news. So today's news for me, I've just got one headline, and I think I'd be remiss not to mention this, but uh, Queen Elizabeth II of England passed away yesterday. She was the longest reigning British monarch ever, I think 70 years, 1952. She ascended to the throne of uh, Great Britain and uh, oversaw some tumultuous times, and she was graceful, 
Uh, she was steady. Um, she handled her business well and, uh, nothing but absolute props to her. So, uh, there's a, there's a degree of mourning when, when good countries who try to be good and do good things lose leaders. And she was a good leader. And so um, Queen Elizabeth II of Great Britain passed yesterday. Yeah, I, actually, that was my headline as well, because I think that's the headline. I mean, in a world of change and chaos, um, she was a rock. She was steady. Um, yeah, she's so just a, so a couple of quick facts, and we'll move on. 96 years old, her son, Prince Charles, who's 73 himself, is now king. She spent 70 years on the throne, which apparently is called the Platinum Jubilee stage. I learned that yesterday. Oh, wow. 70 years reigning, um, Britain's longest reigning monarch. Uh, King George VI died on February 6, 1952, so that began her reign as queen. Uh, but she was officially crowned on June 2nd, 1953, at the age of 27. Wow. I felt pretty mature at 27, but not ready to run an entire country. Not to be a <laughs> queen or a king of a country. Yeah, but it's going to be interesting to see how... The royal family uh, responds and how what Britain does from here because that's I mean seventy years. Think about all the things that have happened since nineteen fifty two. I mean a lot. Yeah. yeah, Cold War back at its absolute apex. I mean she she led through her country mm-hmm. with the British Parliament through the Cold War, working with multitudes. I mean, how many presidents have we had? That'd be one, two, three, eight, nine presidents, give or take. Yeah, I without, done without doing the math, a lot but. of so one. One sovereign over a nation through what we've had multitudes, maybe double-digit presidents through. Um, She's been a rock. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, um, um, we we recognize that uh, a partner and ally with our country, Great Britain, has lost their queen. And and what I find fascinating and amazing about um, stable uh, countries who live under a uh, democratic type of rule is the transition of power peaceful. Yeah. Um, you can say what you want to say about all the stuff around uh, our country, Great Britain, and other countries in the West, but we have peaceful transitions of power. And as a citizen, I'm thankful for that. For sure. All right. Well, that's a that's our news for today because that's the big item. Mm-hmm. But it's time for us to get to... Big Voice has to come and tell us it's time. It's time for the main event. And today we're continuing to talk about spiritually healthy discipleship. And and today we're going to delve into this topic that Scazzaro brings up. And again, we want to tell you we're not going to give you the content of Pete Scazzaro's book, but we'd love for you to go read it and join us in asking questions as you dive into as a Christian what it is to be a disciple but be a healthy disciple. Um, We're going to talk about being before doing. Being before doing. So, um, that's a big deal. Um, I think, um, in a place and time at which I see, I'm just gonna look at my own family. Uh, there's never not doing and that's not healthy. Mm. And so there's more to do 
than any one person or any one family can do. And the temptation is to feel guilt to jump in and do more, more than your share. And we talk about in church life, the 80, 20 rule, but the truth is it's more like 90, 10. And the truth is 90% of the people do, or 10% of the people do 90% of the work. 80, 20, if you're, if you're, if you're really getting after it, I know, I know no place where a hundred percent of the people do a hundred percent of the work. I'm not aware of it. Yeah. And so I don't think in, in, unless it's a billion dollar corporation where people are getting paid a lot of money to do their job and if they don't do their job, they get fired. But in an organization in which you require volunteers, um, yeah, it's just not happening. And the truth of the matter is, and, and, and even me saying that stirs guilt in some people. And the, the goal is not to stir guilt. Our goal is no way, shape, form, or fashion guilt because guilt, and I'm not talking about proper Holy Spirit motivation. Um, I'm talking about godly grief that leads to life. You know, the Bible talks about godly grief. Like if I'm in sin by not doing what I should be doing because I've misallocated my time, I should feel a godly grief and repent and reallocate my time to do the things that are most necessary. That makes sense. So we're not talking about being lazy when we talk about being before doing. That's not an excuse to be lazy. We're talking about the essence of what it means to walk with Jesus in fullness before we set our hands to labor. Yeah. One quick example comes to my mind. Uh, My wife hurt her foot earlier this week. Um, Thankfully, no broken bones or anything, but uh, sprained like a ligament probably in her foot. Couldn't even be on it most of uh, Tuesday. Holy cow. Had to go pick her up. We went to urgent care and um, she was on, borrowed one of those little scooters and everything. And I want want to go into it, but you know, her, not only was that hurt, but like the next day, like she's like, man, my whole like body hurts. And the reason it does that is because your whole body, the rest of the body's overcompensating for not being able to put weight on that foot. So it's carrying the load and it exa- and it gets exhausted and it gets sore. You know, I've had two knee surgeries, so I get that. And so, uh, but, but man, what a parallel that is for the church though. Like if, if some people aren't helping carry the load and all of the weight, all of the pressure, all of the stress is going on other parts of the church body, eventually that's going to wear down. That's right. And it's going to start to deteriorate, deteriorate until you all work together. So like you said, it's not about guilt. It's just about when we are all serving, it's healthy. Yeah. And it's working. It makes everyone's job and weight easier and light, but we're all working together for the same purpose and it creates unity. That's right. And when we're talking about being before doing, we want to talk about, we want a hundred percent of three rivers members doing what they say they're going to do in their covenant. And that is engaging. <clears throat> they are serving, but what we don't want is them to be engaging and serving in an unhealthy manner. Right. And so for a hundred percent of the people to be doing a hundred percent of the work, we need a hundred percent of the people to walk with Jesus uh, in a healthy way so that they're operating, doing out of fullness, not doing out of emptiness and guilt. Yeah. And so what we want to advocate for is not laziness, not, Oh, I'm going to stop doing stuff so I can be emotionally healthy. No, 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 no. That's don't hear that. That would be a misuse of emotional health. Mm -hmm. We want people to be emotionally healthy and operate and do out of the health, not do while they're empty out of guilt. Right. And so let's talk about, um, Chris, what is, when we say being before doing, that's very vague. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of drill down a little bit. Uh, When you hear being before doing, what, what do you mean? What do you think that is? Uh, I think some of it is balance, um, but I think it's 
realizing that relationship needs to be prioritized over service. When we talk about being with the Lord, uh, learning how to work with him, not work for him and, mm-hmm. and put the relationship aside. Right. Um, I think for a lot of, um, you know, we really focus on, on the church. So focus on our Christian leaders, for example, and just people in the church, you know, balance is a huge struggle. Uh, we're always in this state of hurry, um, our busyness. Uh, we're trying to use up every minute of every day. Um, and which that's what leads to exhaustion, burnout. Um, and we'll talk more, a little bit more, more about burnout here shortly, but, uh, stress, anxiety, and many other negative things. And so when you put all that focus on the work, um, you know, there's a lot of other results that come from that too, that are negative and, and it just, it, but it tears down your well being um, as a person, as a believer, it affects your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, mental health, all those things are affected by it. Uh, just because that's becomes the focus, that pursuit of trying to either be perfect or that pursuit of, I mean, I need to do all this stuff for God, um, mm. you know, and there's just there's some negative results from that. There are one of the one of the examples from the Bible Scazzaro gives, and we wrestle with this in our house because if you just want to go allegorical with it, I know the story's not allegory; it's history. Jesus is telling us a story about Mary and Martha, but in my house, it's very allegorical. Um, you got Mary who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning. He's teaching. Martha is hosting. She's being hospitable, which is a, a noble and right and good thing. And she's frustrated with Mary because Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus and Martha's serving all the people who's come to her house to be in her house and hear Jesus. And she's frustrated. And she says to the Lord, like, tell my sister to help. And Jesus is, I'm not going to take that away from her. She's chosen the better part. In my house, we wrestle with that because we have a Martha and we have a Mary just in our wiring. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say which is which. And and we wrestle over this story sometimes because Martha's not doing anything wrong. Correct. Martha's not sinning. She's not in active rebellion in any way against the Lord. She's doing what is required at the moment. She's got people in her house and, and culture and hospitality and just care for humans says care for them. The different factor inserted is the creator of the universe is in your house and physical manifestation in the second person of the Trinity, eternal son of God, the bread of life, Jesus is sitting on your couch. Yeah. And Mary said, at this moment, hospitality be hospitality, hospitality be dadgummed. I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. And Jesus said, Mary's chosen the better portion right now. And so Jesus isn't advocating for not not doing hospitality, not serving. What he's saying, there are moments and times that you need to sit and be filled up. There's be plenty of time to go be hospitable, plenty of time to clean the dishes, plenty of time to clean up before, after all that. But you got to recognize the moments when you need to sit and be filled. Mm-hmm. Mary knew and took advantage. Martha's not that she didn't know. It's just that her value system was a little bit off at that moment. And it's not that she didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. She clearly loved the Lord. But there right. was a conflict in her soul over what she should do based on her values and her wiring versus recognizing the moment. Yeah, that just concept of sitting and resting with him, it's, it's hard for us because that's not that's the opposite of how our regular lives work. You know, we come home, we, we work all day, right? Some of us 
you know, some people have more than one job or they're doing really, whether it's physical or mental, whatever you're doing, you come home. Then it's like, oh, I got to clean the house, do the laundry, make the dinner, get the kids in the bath or whatever that, whatever your routine is, you know, right. th- then you're like, oh, let me, um, then I got to prepare for tomorrow's work or I need, to, or I'm watching TV or I'm, you know, doing some, I'm always doing some kind of activity. And, and even some of those aren't restful. Um, but then to bring it back to your story, it's just, and, and we'll talk about this in part two of this, you know, when we talk about what to do, but um, that ability to just be present with him is so crucial. And we've got to find a way to eliminate some of the hurry, some of the busyness. And again, not wrong. Again, this right. isn't a condemning podcast episode by any means. Right. Because anyone that says they're not guilty of this is probably not telling the truth. Yeah. Um, you live in a her place. Her heart was in the right place. That's right. Martha. That's right. That's um, right. We should be hospitable. Right. You know, if Jesus showed up my door, I would want to be, I would probably be doing some of that too. Um, All the neighbors, everybody yeah. come over now. Like, I know you, yeah, come to my house, the creator of the universe is sitting on my couch. Come, yeah. come. Yeah. Instead now. of realizing, you know what? He may have, he may go somewhere else after this. And I've got a minute just to let me take every second I have and just be drenched in his presence and in what he brings and being in that moment with him. All other stuff be put off. That's right. That's and right. That. And what I believe what we find, and, and here's, here's where the concept of Sabbath is so huge in the Old Testament. Sabbath is not a a one-time command that goes away with the institution of the new covenant and the gospel. In fact, it is clear that, uh, in fact, the writer of Hebrews makes a big deal out of this. And the Old Testament is clear. Sabbath is a forever institution. And the reason is because it was instituted before the fall and creation. God stopped. Not rested in the sense of God got tired, but God stopped on purpose because he was done. Yeah. And, and he says, now my image bearers be like that. Right? We're not God. We can't cause the sustaining of the universe by our not acting. But he says, the whole point is, you are not me. And this is one of the ways you know you're not me. Stop working when you're not done. I'll take care of making sure that you don't lack. Right. And I, I'm getting goosebumps because I don't, and I, I intellectually agree with that. Practically, I don't believe it. I'm a hypocrite. Because it's hard for me to see what needs to be done and Jesus say stop and let it go undone because he promises he will make a way. Because that, that's a different level of trust. It is. And, and, and he wants us to operate out of that. And it's a, it's a pride issue. I mean, if we bring it down to that, really it's when, we, when, we, when that's our focus of doing and working, what we've done is we are now putting the results and putting the the onus on what we are doing. It's it's like you know what, God, okay, I'm trying to be obedient and do what you said, but I got this now. Like, like <laughs> I got I got this. If if I if I work right. harder, if I spend more hours, you know, and then like I know you study hard and you prepare hard. Let's look at that for a second with your sermons for Sunday, right? Um, and I'm sure there are many weeks, and I'm assuming here, but there are probably times where you're probably go back and you're overanalyzing maybe every week, and you're like, oh, I could add this, or I could take this out, and you start going, going, and going, and it's like, okay, now let me go back and redo. Let me rewrite, because you want it to be the best. So I think we've got to clarify, it's fine to pursue excellence and to be great at what you do, but we also have to realize the results aren't up to us. Mm. And, and if, we've, if we can 
to convince ourselves, which easier said than done of that. And just, again, it's that trying to find that dichotomy between let me give the Lord all I have, but let me also realize that he's the one that sustains Mm. and that resting is not just sleeping. It's not just sitting and not moving. There is an element of accepting peace in that moment. There's a, there's an element of, being fulfilled, right? If you're yeah. all, if you're always pouring out, yeah, and not t- taking yeah. in and receiving, right? Eventually, you're going to run out. That's right. That, it, it, here's a practical example. There have been times where I've been physically laboring, and on the inside, I'm laboring. And what I found is, after the physical labor, I'm more emotionally drained than I'm physically drained because on the inside, I wasn't at rest. And, and Sabbath is more, like you just said, it's more than physical. It's more sleeping, more than sitting. It's on the inside, stopping the fretting, refusing the peace, but and, and then receiving the peace, going, no, 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 no. The Lord was clear, don't fret about these things because he freely gives them to his people. Yeah. And, and that, that, to me, that's the harder Sabbath. It's not not doing it's even while I'm doing resting. Yeah. I mean, ministry is hard. If it's not, you're doing it wrong. There's your free um, <laughs> advice for today. If ministry is not difficult, right. You are not good at it. Um, you know, um, you know, Paul tells Timothy in first Timothy three sixteen, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, not just from other people, but by the things that they do. Jesus told his disciples in John sixteen thirty three, in this world, you will have trouble. Um, but I want to go back to really quickly to a verse that our passage I shared a couple of weeks ago in our other podcast. Um, this one that scares the bejesus out of me, but it's a good reminder of uh, of what we're talking about here. Uh, in Matthew seven twenty one to twenty three, he says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." On that day, many will say to me, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name?" <laughs> And then he says, and then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Mm. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And again, that focus, he's not saying don't do work for me. Don't prophesy. Don't cast out demons. Don't do that. But he's like, I I didn't know you because you didn't take time to know me. Mighty works done in vain. Right. Because they weren't done out of a walking, resting relationship with the creator of the universe. 100%. And so, you know, um, just running with that, if you're cool with it um, here, um, one of the things we need to differentiate between is working for God as opposed to working with God. Mm. And I think that's the part of, yes, there's still work involved, but we need to do it in conjunction with him, not not as like an officer or not as a soldier getting a command and then going and trying to handle it all. Right. You know, they don't have too many one-person missions, I no. assume, you know, it's a team effort from, and you've got support and you've got all these things. And so, right. so when we work for God, what happens when we, we work for him, not with him, when we work for him, we expect accolades. Mm. We're sad when no one notices uh, you're critiquing leaders, you're lacking vision. Uh, you view team members as a means to your end. Mm. Uh, your personal Bible reading prayer life tends to diminish. Uh, your joy is based off your performance and you feel shame often about hidden sin. Mm. So those are just some results of working for God. When we work with God, we expect nothing. Mm. Uh, you're pleased when no one notices work because it's not about that. Right. Uh, you see the greater vision of the small work. 
you view team members as brothers and sisters and you see their well-being is more important than the job that is to get done. Uh, and that's another thing in all in itself is sometimes when we're so focused on our work, we neglect those around us that need us. Right. And so sometimes it's important to drop that activity or that task and be with others. Right. That self-awareness and that awareness of others around us. Um, mm. When you work with God, your personal Bible reading and prayer time is consistent. It doesn't have to be flourishing. Right. But it's consistent. Right. Um, and you're happy even if you're exhausted and you're confessing your sin. Mm. Um, you're spending time with other people. Yeah, that's good. Jesus said, uh, we're walking through this on our in our first Sundays, um, which is a, a thing we do in our church. On the first Sundays of every month, we have uh, a special teaching series before worship where we go through various things. We're studying through uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Predicated on, and this this Jesus' words have been um, challenging me for a couple of years, where he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> Jesus is, he either means that and it's true or it's a lie. And then we have a lot bigger problems. And if that's true, and I fully believe it's true, working with God, not for God is taking on the yoke of the kingdom of God next to Jesus and pulling, but not in our power. Like the invitation, the, the agricultural picture Jesus is giving us there is he's pulling the cart. It's my yoke. It's my kingdom. It's mine. It's not yours. I'm inviting you to put it on you with me. And it's light. And the reason it's light is because it's mine. It's not yours. I didn't ask you to bear the burden of the kingdom. Jesus does that on the cross. He's God. Preach. He's the creator of the universe. Yeah. And he pays for sin. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us. He invites us into a relationship to walk beside him as he pulls the daggum cart. And then I think, how arrogant that I'm, I have a job to pull the cart. What he invites us into is to know him. And what's crazy is in knowing him, the work will get done. Now, we can go do work and burn out and flame out and and think that ministry and all this stuff is just a, a bunch of rot, but that's not what Jesus asks us to do. He says, come be with me. I'll pull the cart, get to know me, um, and work will get done. And so I think, I've, I'm, I'm convinced, we can get work done in his strength and power and it not kill us. Yeah, I think, and I love that passage, and we'll probably hit it again in part two later, um, but I think one of the two of the key parts in that that often get overlooked in that passage, the first one being come to me. Um, he could just, you know, snap his fingers and make us rest and sustain us and heal us and all that stuff in a moment. But he wants us to come to him because what he wants us to do is stop doing what we're doing in order to come to him. We have to stop the work. We have yeah. to eliminate that moment of busyness and come to him like Mar like Martha. He wanted Martha not to look and listen to him while she continued the other thing. You know, come over here, mm. be with me. And I think the other part of that is you'll find rest for your souls. I think that's a key word there. It's not, yes, it's physical rest, but it's our souls, our whole being. So it's not just about physical rest. It's about getting rest for our souls, for our minds, our heart, for all of that contained. Mm. Um, and that can only be found in him. Yeah. So it's like, come, not just come to me and be with me. Come to me and cast all that on me. Let me bear that for you. Yeah. Because 
I'm king of the universe. Like you mentioned, I can take that. Yeah. I'm strong. Yeah. You're weak. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it, what's what's amazing is, and the Lord tells us this in his parables. He talks about the kingdoms like a, a seed. The title, Jesus doesn't say magical seed, but when I read this parable in Mark 4, I, what comes to my mind is a, a magical seed. The kingdom's like seed you cast in the ground, and, and you go on about your business. You go you go to sleep. You rise day and night. You do your thing, and next thing you know, it's growing. Then it grows into a mature plant, and it produces fruit. And he said, his kingdom's like that. And, and what's interesting in the story is we just go about business. We go about life doing what we're supposed to do, and he causes the growth. So we talk about being before doing. It's that I've got a story to tell in the kingdom. I'm going to tell it. And then he's going to cause the growth, and then I'm going to go healthily about life. And and being before doing is depending on that seed to be supernatural, depending on that. And if we're doing that, it is supernatural. And uh, uh, and I, I don't have the liberty to tell all of this right now because it's still fresh, but we've been experiencing this week just some of the coolest fruit of the kingdom uh, where – only God could do what God could do through asking and waiting, mm. but while waiting, refusing to fret. Yeah. And so it hasn't, uh, I didn't labor for it. It was a free gift. And so all I got is thanks. That's all I can say is thank you, Lord. Thank you for, thank you. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah. Because I didn't do it. Didn't make it happen. The Father said, ask, and it'll be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open to you. For he who asks receives, he who seeks finds, he who knocks, it will be open to him. The Lord said that. Mm. And so that's our work is, is to invest into the things Jesus said to do that are eternal in nature. I, just throw this. I, I'm convinced 99.9999999% of all ministry is prayer and fasting and waiting. My hero, George Mueller, lived that. His whole, and, and some this week has been some very George Mueller level stuff. Uh, and, and if anybody hasn't read the autobiography of George Mueller, get it, read it. You can get it free on, on iBooks, and you can find a PDF online. If you just Google George Mueller autobiography, you can find a free, free PDF. You don't have to buy it. And A.T. Pearson's uh, biography of George Mueller is worth every penny you'll pay for it. Um, this man's as a pastor, his entire ministry to orphans, which is what he's known for, and the orphan ministry grew out of his church, was his grief that his people lived anxious lives and didn't rest in the Lord. So Mueller didn't have a passion for orphans. It was just a problem in Great Britain in the the mid, uh, his 1850s-ish, I think he was born 1830s. Uh, Mueller, at that time, if you were um, a child who was an orphan, they put you in prison. There's no other place to put you. So they sent kids to prison. Mueller wasn't passionate about orphans. He probably should have been. He was passionate about the kingdom of God coming in power on his people, and they lived anxious lives, hurried, fretted lives. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take on this ministry of caring for orphans to prove that God will do it because his word says he will by prayer. So all of that man's life was strategically set aside to make sure orphans were cared for only by the means of asking God. In fact, people would come to him and say, we want to give you what you need. Tell us what you need, and we'll give it to you. And Mueller said, I can't tell you what I need because my whole strategy is to ask God, not man. And they'd be frustrated. 
we want to give to you. Tell us what you need. He said, I can't do that. It would wreck the whole ministry if I told you what I needed. Ask God and whatever you hear, do. And they'd walk away frustrated and they'd come back a couple weeks and give him whatever. And it just, it was exactly what they needed. That, that The whole man's life was that. And and he wasn't fretting. He said, when we woke up anxious, worried about the day, we started with prayer. And we would not stop in prayer until, and here's his thing. He said, we would not stop until our hearts were at peace. Oh. Not till we had it, but till our hearts rested. When our hearts rested, then we'd get up and go to work. And I'm going, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's being with God before doing. Mm. Um, and that, that man's a testament to it. I so desperately want to live like that that it that it like it I'm getting emotional. Like I want to live like that. I want the second half of my life to look like that. Yeah, man, that's that's a good word. That's such a good reminder. It's it's it reminds me again of you know we we, we often try to blend the Christian biblical life with the world and with the culture, but it man, it just collides. Like our culture, our world always tells us to man get after it hustle you gotta work to earn it you know all these things are ingrained in us from every no matter what your profession is or i mean you know you've been a big football guy i mean how do you how many times you hear a coach you know or or a a parent being like hey you know get out we gotta we gotta get out there we gotta practice you know michael jordan kobe bryant those guys were always doing it because they were afraid somebody if they weren't working somebody else was trying to outwork them, yeah, and 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 not trying to again diminish hustle and work and no. ethic and all that, but do that after right. you're at peace. Do that yeah. after you've sat with the Lord, you've been with Him, and yeah, and that's 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 not only ministry changing, that's life changing. It's life changing, absolutely. I, I think I think what's key there, and I want to reiterate this: if people listen to this, we're not advocating for Christian laziness. This is not right. an excuse to do nothing. In fact, it's a call to do more. What we're asking people to do, though, is out of the abundance of being with Jesus. Because here's the crazy thing. The work of the kingdom is intense. Yeah. But it can be done fully, 100%, without killing the doers. <laughs> and, and there's testament to that all throughout history. And what I find interesting is even in created order— this plays itself out. You can see it even in non-Christians who I love listening to to uh, uh, Naval Special Warfare podcasts and, and Army, Army Special Forces podcasts and, and those guys who've come out of the recent wars. They're just fascinating people. I love their stories. Every single one of them, all of them who made it through their training and made it through the difficult deployments, they worked their rear ends off. You don't become a, a Navy SEAL without three phases of BUDS, which is physically impossible. It is not physically possible to achieve buds. What these guys talk about is a mental state of mind, a state of being in which they train their insides to function well. And what happens is the outside just gets done. They make it. They get done with physically impossible things because the inside is in order. Now, here's here's what blows my mind. If that's possible for a pagan What's wrong with me? If a if an unregenerate man can make it through that kind of difficulty physically and be okay, 
based upon simply taking advantage of being wired and made the image of God, they've tapped into something that God made them to be and to do, to find some internal peace, to go to a different place, and their body follows suit. We we say it all the time, it's mind over matter. There's some truth to that. Oh, yeah. So for us, we're saying Jesus gives us that secret, and it's partly tapping into how we're wired because we're creating the image of God, and the other part is we have the Holy Spirit to enable that, to live in spiritual fullness from which then we can do the hard labor and it not kill us. Mueller's a living example of that. Mm. And, and, and there are hundreds of others, but he's just, he's my favorite. So he's the one easy to talk about. Chris, why don't you take us to the end with some of your thoughts? And yeah. I'll we'll wrap this one up. I'm going to wrap this up with something that Cesaro says. And um, I think this is key in this section. Uh, he says, work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually deteriorate and us with it. Over time, our sense of worth and validation gradually shifts from a grounding in God's love to the success or failure of our ministry work and performance. And that's when the peace, the clarity, and the spaciousness, I love that word, of our life with Christ slowly, almost imperceptibly disappears. Wow. So in other words, you know, ultimately, it's your walk with Jesus will save your ministry and maybe even your life. Uh, read Scripture, be encouraged. Ministry is not a performance for God, but a participation and work with him and in him because he's that good. And I think if we see it that way, again, like I love what you said there a while ago. This isn't weak. It's not a matter of uh, being soft, and it's certainly not passive. It's preparation. It's biblical. It's obedience. And when we do it in partnership with him, number one, the outcomes are going to be better because he is better than us and he's stronger than us. But I think our well-being, our souls are going to be so much more gratified and healed and whole doing that than if we were just simply pouring all of our energy into working for him, not with him. That's gold. I'm not going to say anything else because that would wreck it. Chris, fantastic, man. That's good stuff. Man, we really appreciate you guys listening. We really appreciate you guys joining us in this journey of emotionally healthy discipleship, being before doing. So listen, give us five-star rating, share it with your friends. And if you want to, please support us. We really appreciate it. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time when we talk about how to implement being before doing. Y'all take care. Out.